Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. I'm Zizo. <laughs> I'm the first professional boxer from Saudi Arabia wow. and I'm the first local Arab fighter from that side of the world. This is much harder than just saying it because we don't have the equipment. We don't have the same culture of the game that the West have and we don't have the level of IQ that the coaches here have back home. It's impossible to make it abroad. Many have tried, none have made it. We would just train on a running track and we would use the other fighters as a ring. How do you push yourself to, to stay motivated to that vision? A mistake and a failure is something and a loss is another. When I left and I traveled and started in the US, it was like I started all over again. I realized that not only am I not as good as the fighters there, I'm not even near as good as the fighters there. And he threw me in there with the pros and the first time I sparred a pro, I broke my rib. And it was traumatizing at times. And when I say traumatizing, it was actually traumatizing because... Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. If you haven't already, please, 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 can you do me a massive favor and press the subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening or watching to this. Only 4% of you that watch and listen to this podcast are actually following it. And the bigger the show gets, the bigger the guests get, and the bigger the experience gets too. It's totally free to subscribe and follow this podcast. And if you have a spare minute, if you can just leave a review for me and let me know how you're finding it, or let me know if there's anything you'd like me to improve or change. I'm always trying to improve this podcast so I can make it an even better experience for you all. Thank you so much for all of your support so far. Let's get into the episode. Zizo. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for giving me the platform. I'm very excited about this. You know, your talks are very, very good. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. Well, thank you for coming. I just, just for context... Zizo was going to come on Wednesday. I told him that someone cancelled on me yesterday. At what time? Like six o'clock? I was yeah. like, can you be there tomorrow <laughs> at four o'clock? And you, and you made it. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I yeah. really appreciate it. But for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm Zizo. <laughs> I'm the first professional boxer from Saudi Arabia. Wow. And I'm the first local Arab fighter from that side of the world. So... Um, that's just a great stage to have for a young athlete and it's a lot of pressure but it's pressure that I'm preparing for not completely ready for but (laughs) when it's time to be ready I am ready that's the most important thing so when you say local professional fighter tell me what you mean by that so there are many fighters not many there are a handful of fighters that um, could have fought from the UK or from the US that have Arab heritage or they have um, Arab roots and but they were born here or they were raised here around the equipment around the level of IQ the coaches have around the level of sparring and the training and everything that they're going to get Mm -hmm. but for me it was different because when I say I'm the I'm in a local Arab fighter that's turned professional internationally you need to understand that this is much harder than just saying it because we don't have the equipment. We don't have the same culture of the game that the West have. 
Okay. And we don't have the level of IQ that the coaches here have back home. And it's just every single thing I've heard since I was young and started this game was it's impossible to make it abroad or no one's made it abroad. But I've always thought to myself, you know, there could be more than just being a local champion. Mm-hmm. Could be more than just being a continental champion, a regional champion. What what if I travel abroad? What are my chances there? Many have tried, none have made it, or very few were close to even making it. Wow. But I mean, growing up with no equipment and no, n- not even close to the level of IQ and sparring partners and and organization that you're going to get abroad. When I left and I traveled and started in the US, it was like I started all over again. So when I say I'm the first local fighter, it's it's a whole different story, you know? And I'm always curious when people say they want to be a fighter, when did you realize I want to be a fighter and why? So like you said, it's not really that big in the Middle East, right? Exactly, exactly. No, so I've been boxing since I was 11 years old. Okay. So you need to keep in mind that from 11 years old until 15 years old, I didn't even have a boxing rink. We would just train on a running track. And we would yeah. use the other fighters as a ring. You know, we would place everyone at different corners. <laughs> and this is the, the squared circle that we're going to fight in. And so I used to, um, in, uh, back in Saudi Arabia, or I'm also half Egyptian, my mother's Egyptian. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'd be training between both, um, we don't have individual sport gyms. We have very big, a very big sport complex that has everything. Mm-hmm. So I used to play tennis. Right. And I went, uh, we'd warm up for tennis on the running track. Okay. And on the running track would be the boxing team as well. Or <laughs> what, what a boxing team was then. Right. Because they didn't have any place. They didn't have any equipment. It was just a coach with his mitts and people lined up waiting for their turn. And every time we'd be warming up for the tennis practice, I'd just hear the suspense and I'd hear that intensity in the training. And it was just so big in my mind that the amount of history that's meant to be written in the sport or still to be written in the sport for the Arab world, Mm -hmm. for Saudi Arabia in this sport is so much. And I said, I want to do that. I want to be the one to to do all of this and I'm on the way. You will be. Tell me why you just said that. So so why is there so much to be written in this sport for Saudi Arabia or for the Arab world? Well, um, like I told you, I'm the first professional boxer from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. especially local. I'm the first one from the Arab world that's really stayed in the Arab world for over 10 years. And I only moved to the US when I was 19 years old. I'm 22 now. And in a span of three years, First, I just want to say that everything done, everything I've done until now is God. I'm, I just show up. God is the one that does the rest. You know, I put in the work. I show up every day mm-hmm. and everything else that plays by my side. This is all God and this is what I believe. But I've only been in the U.S. for three years now. Mm-hmm. And when I say there's so much history to be written, the sport, um, we don't have a world champion from the Arab world. We don't have a two-weight, three-weight, four-weight division world champion. We don't have an undisputed world champion, a unified world champion. When, when I say that to anyone who doesn't know the boxing terms is um, there are usually four or five world titles in a weight class. Okay. I want to have all of them. You know, I want to be the first ever to even get one of them. Amazing. But I want to be the first ever to have all of them. And I want to be the first ever to have it in multiple weight classes as well. So the aspirations are there, the dreams are there, and the faith is there. Now it's just all about my mental, because the physical is easy, but the mental is... Is the tough part. Yeah, it's the tough part. I love speaking to people on this podcast who are kind of, not at the beginning of their journey, but still in the process of kind of fulfilling their dreams. And the reason why I love doing that is I think it inspires so many people to have that same mindset of you can dream for something and you can reach that goal. How... How have you kind of learned that? Because for a lot of people, they say be realistic with your dreams. You know, you can't push for something that you're not going to be able to get because the worry is you'll let yourself down. So you said growing up, everyone said to you, it's never happened. You didn't have a blueprint. You mm-hmm. still don't have a blueprint. Yeah. How do you push yourself to, to stay motivated to that vision? 
So the way I think of it is what is something that is realistic? Because it all depends on your capabilities. It all depends on your imagination and how far you think you're going to make it or you're going to go. So, so many people could tell me it's so difficult. It's so hard to train with the fighters abroad or to even travel abroad. You're not the one that's going to travel. You're not the one that's going to train with them. Mm -hmm. And you're not the one that's going to fight there. I'm going to do it. So I could do the most I can to be prepared for that. So then I make it realistic myself. So what what is something realistic? It's only as realistic as you make it, mm. as you work for, as you push for. So dreams or aspirations all depend on your imagination, you know? So you put in the work, you put in all the studying, the extra work, and it's going to be a realistic dream. But don't expect it to be realistic in the beginning when you're yet to put in the work. Mm-hmm. But expect that you will make it realistic. You will make that dream realistic by doing all that is supposed to be done for it. But like you said, I didn't have a blueprint. Mm. So it was kind of different for me because I'm setting the stones for those who come after me. Right. And that's what I had in mind. And because I approached it that way, that I'm not approach this, I'm not approaching this journey to make it as fast as possible or to reach the highest levels of success as fast as possible or as mm-hmm. big as possible. I'm just setting stone for those who come after me. So approaching it with this mindset made it more open to for failure and for mistakes. So when I fail and when I make a mistake, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take notes now, learn from it. So those who come after me don't make that same mistake. I'm setting the blueprint for the local Arab fighters now. I'm setting the blueprint for the Saudi Arabian amateur fighters who want to turn professional later on. All the mistakes I've done in negotiations and trusting if it's promoters, managers, matchmakers, Mm -hmm. how to talk, how to value yourself, how to do all that. I didn't know all that in the beginning. Mm It was a lot of stress and pressure, but I expected all this. And when you expect something, it doesn't shock you when it comes. It doesn't shock you when it hits. Because when you expect something, you will know how to deal with it once it comes. And it will be natural. So if you're expecting someone to walk through the door right now and interrupt the podcast, when they do, you're going to know how to deal with it because you've Mm -hmm. been expecting them to come. But if they just storm in here and start you're going to give them enough time to play around with the cameras and audio and stuff. But if you're expecting them, you're going to lock the door Mm -hmm. or you're going to keep it open, but you're going to be prepared once they rush in. And that's what happens with stuff like mistakes and failures because a mistake and a failure is something and a loss is another. A loss is when you don't learn from the mistakes and the failures or you don't get up from them. But it's one thing to get up and it's another of how you get up and what you do after you get up. So just approach anything that you're gonna do that is so-called unrealistic with the mindset of, I'm going to set stone for anyone who comes after me or for myself. Yeah. Once you make one mistake, don't expect that if you go through the same mistake again, you're gonna go through the same exact phases of learning. Mm -hmm. You don't go through the same thing twice Mm -hmm. and have the same outcome. Of course. You know, so yeah. I can't believe how mature you are for 22. (laughs) Crazy, I'm I'm genuinely shocked. I know some 22 year olds and gosh, the insight you've just given, I was was quite speechless. (laughs) Normally I'd interrupt you about a hundred times during that. How did you learn to be so mature? And and the reason I ask that is, Stereotypically, a lot of men, especially men, I'm going to say stereotypically, this is not my view, stereotypically, men are very much told that they mature much later than women. Women are way more mature. But 22-year-old you right now is incredibly mature. How did you learn how to be that? The losses in life. I mean, if it's the losses in the ring or the losses outside of the ring, Mm -hmm. that's what has made me so mature now in the in the sport you know or Mm -hmm. for my age in the sport because i've not only lost my many fights um starting the journey but i've 
um, when I say fights, I mean the fights outside of the ring, not inside the ring. Because the losses inside the ring, they're not the ones that are going to build my maturity and my mentality. The losses outside of the ring are the ones that are going to build that. Like so at a very young age, I had to sacrifice a lot. I had to sacrifice going out with friends. I had to sacrifice seeing family. At a very young age, I traveled abroad alone completely with a dream that was told by so many. I don't, I don't like to use dream with a goal yeah. that was told by so many that I wouldn't achieve, that I couldn't achieve. And so many tried but couldn't. And I had to travel alone and leave my family behind, leave my country behind, leave that comfort and, and you know, that safety and just throw myself out there to the lions and expect myself to return the king of the jungle, you know? So it was just very, very um, uncomfortable. And how did you cope with that? Because even at a young age, your thoughts and the people around you really shape who you are. So if everyone's telling you you can't do it, why did you think you could? Because it's it all depends on what I think I could do. Like I told you, so many people could speak, mm. but they're not gonna do it for you. So many people can talk, but they're not gonna be there with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when someone says you're going to lose that fight, for example, you're not the one that's gonna go in there and fight. You know, so or this training camp is going to be so hard abroad. You're not the one traveling. Mm -hmm. So that's it's the same thing with a lot of negative comments that you could get as yes. a fighter or or as anyone who's trying to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are going to come the naysayers. They're going yes. to come and say, well, you're not doing this well. You're not doing this the way I think you. What do you mean the way you think? You're not the one there. You're not the one that's suffering the the that long distance relationship with your family that different time zones the hours of extra work the early mornings the late nights you're not the one going through that so we find it troubling for anyone or like we find it troubling ourselves to reach the highest of places of success because we depended on the expectations of others once you stop depending success on the expectations of others that's when you actually will be successful because it will start de like depending on the, your expectations of success mm -hmm. and your capabilities of success then once you depend the early success on your cap capabilities and expectations you will exceed the expectations of others Honestly, I'm blown away. I'm really like, <laughs> wow, my God. I'm just, I'm, everything you're saying is so powerful. And especially around the naysayers, I think a lot of people ask me, because recently my videos have been getting more and more attraction. Yeah. And I've been getting a lot of hate on some of them. Now, I think what people don't understand is when I'm recording a podcast, unfortunately, it's not a predetermined speech. I don't mime out every single word I'm going to say. Exactly. I have a rough idea where we spoke on the phone for about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. We go through a couple of ideas and that's it. I meet you for the first time today. We have a conversation. I don't have notes. I don't have anything that I'm reading off. If I say something in the wrong way or I don't explain myself perfectly well, people are like, I can't believe you didn't say that. I can't believe you didn't mention this. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you didn't do that. And at the beginning, I used to feel affected by it. And recently I got loads of hate on this video and everyone was like, how do you deal with it? And I just said, at the end of the day, I did something with a good intention. So if I've had a good intention at the start of what I'm saying, if I didn't articulate it in the most perfect way, if I didn't say the right words, yeah. if I missed out something when I was cutting the clip, because it has to be cut on Instagram for one minute, 30 seconds out of a 45 minute podcast, <laughs> then let them say it, you know? At the end of the day, I know my intention was pure. And if my intention is pure, then I don't care. And at the same time, the people who are saying these things, do I want to be like you? No. Are you the person I'm going to be taking advice from? So I don't care. And it's taken me a while to actually understand that. But for you growing up so young and for being so young, actually, when you were starting this journey, how did you not let it affect you? Because was it everyone that was saying that or were there a few people that were supporting you? So it's not that I didn't let it affect me. Okay. It's that people are only gonna know as much as you show them. So it could have affected me, but mm -hmm. I didn't show it. Why? Because if I showed it, I'm feeding off that energy. I'm showing them that I'm giving them what they want and they will keep doing it. But if someone's bothering you, if someone's give, giving you some bad energy over and over again, or giving you, you know, naysayer talks, if you show them that it's taking effect, 
they're going to keep doing it. It's like a bully in school. Yes. If a bully keeps bullying you and you keep crying every day and you show that anger and you show that resentment, that's what they want. That's what they're going for. But once you start showing them that it makes absolutely no difference what they say, do, or show, or try to effect, you know, put an effect on you, they're going to eventually stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Or eventually, they're going to keep doing it, but they're going to know that it doesn't make a difference. So then they'll stop. That, then they'll stop. And I'm a very big believer of you become what you think. So once you start showing the naysayer or showing the bully that what they say or do doesn't matter, even if, you, even if it's starting to actually affect you, eventually it won't affect you. Mm. And eventually what you do with your body and what you do with your body language is going to go into your mentality and your brain. So once you start showing people it doesn't matter, even if it matters inside, at a certain time, it won't matter. That is one thing. And the other is you can't expect to do something that so many other people have always wanted to do or wish they could have done mm-hmm. and expect no backlash. Yes. And expect no hate yeah. or naysaying mm-hmm. or, or doubts or all that. You need to expect all that. And like I said, once you expect certain messages and actions from people, it won't have a big effect on you or any effect at all once it hits you because nothing natural that comes into your life will get you down or keep you down as long as you expect something it's going to be natural when it hits you and something that's natural when it hits you you're going to be able to deal with it Mm. it's like eating it's like drinking walking and everything so just expect that stuff expect that stuff from people Expect that hate from a video that's reached 200,000 or 100,000 views. Mm-hmm. You have to expect all that. You, yeah. can't, you can't think that no one will come on there of and course. say. But once you expect it, it will have absolutely no effect. Because they wish they were sitting on this couch and doing this podcast. So that's you know, the you're stuff. so right. I said this. I don't know if I said this in another podcast. But I said that to expect that if a video, one of my videos reached 12.8 million. Yeah. To expect that no one out of those 12 million people is going to say anything horrible is narcissistic of me. Exactly. Like to think that no one is going to say anything mean, even if you have 10,000 mean comments. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's but like 1%. Yeah, exactly, I don't know the maths. Exactly. Don't quote me on that. I don't know the maths. No, <laughs> no but. But you're right. Like I think when you, when you grow, when you kind of get into the social media world, whether you're in the public eye, whatever you're doing, like with you, you expect that people are always going to be there to put you down. And it's just something that's part of the furniture and you have to understand that it's part and parcel of the job. But it still impacts people a lot. So let's talk around your journey in terms of going to the US. How did you start to become a professional fighter? So in the US, um, back home in Saudi Arabia, I was raised between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Yeah. So back home in the Arab world, there's one gym that we always heard about and there's one fighter that we always heard about it's Manny Pacquiao and his gym in California. Mm -hmm. And that's always the only thing I knew really. I knew that fighter and his gym and I knew it was in California. And it was time that I'm graduating now. I'm in 11th grade. So I have 11th grade and my senior year to get my grades right (laughs) and I'll apply for university abroad. And so I did exactly that. I took some time balancing boxing and my studies but I didn't completely take away boxing. I would sometimes have my laptop and my notebooks on a, on a box squat in, in, <laughs> near the boxing equipment mm-hmm. doing my work. But when it was time for my rounds in, I'd go do my rounds and come back and do my work on the laptop on the, on the squat box. <laughs> so I had to take some time off eventually from the boxing because I knew that in the long term, it would benefit. So I got my grades right. I applied for university abroad in California, only California. I didn't give myself any other option. And I went to California. I went to that gym and I started working with a trainer there. And this is where everything started. So when I first went there, I realized that not only am I not as good as the fighters there, I'm not even near as good as the fighters there. Not even... 5% of what they are there. 
and I walk into the gym, so much equipment that I have never used, but the coach is like, okay, now after we're done here, go on this bag, go on that bag. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to use this bag and I don't know how to use that bag. So it was technically like starting over, but it was more starting over mentally than physically because I had the foundations and I had the, the like I'd always study the boxing, but when it was time to do it, it was totally different. Yeah, totally different. So when I was coming close to even being as good on the same level of the average fighter in the US, mm -hmm. of the average amateur fighter in the US, the gyms closed because of COVID. Everything oh closed God. because of COVID. The day of the tournament, it's called the Golden Gloves. And I was supposed to weigh in that night for that tournament. And I finally, after a year and a half of some hard, hard work, you know, gyms closed. And I was almost as good as the amateurs there. So the only gyms that were open were the ones that were like, you know, open low key, blacked out from outside. The cops can't see inside. So they were open and stuff like that. <laughs> but they were only the professional gyms. Only professional fighters are in there. And boxing has amateur, amateur fighters and professional fighters. It's different. It's a very different game. It's like ping pong and tennis. One is faster, one hurts less, one is all about the, the points and the pace, and the other is about knocking you out, and the other is about hurting you and just, you know, winning. Yeah. So, and one is like three rounds, the other is 12 rounds, all that stuff. Okay. So now think about this. I'm almost as good as the amateurs, but not, not there yet, but almost as good as the amateurs. COVID hit and I was given two choices. Either to stop while the whole world is stopped or to take this once in a lifetime opportunity of knowing that all the other fighters have stopped and now this is my time to work overtime while they are resting and stopping because they have no other choice. Okay. But I could be doing something that would get me to their level. So I started working out during COVID and I started using all my savings, bought some boxing equipment, had a gym in the garage of my coach in his house. We had a gym there. We started working for months and months in that gym every single day for hours and hours just to catch up to that level. And then my coach comes to me, he's like, okay, we, I, I know about a gym that's open, you know, low key and stuff. Let's go and we, we're gonna get some sparring there, like matches. I'm like, okay. And it's a professional gym, professional fighters. So you're talking about someone who's supposed to be trying to be as good as the amateurs, but now you're throwing me in with the pros. My and he threw gosh. me in there with the pros. And the first time I sparred a pro, I broke my rib. First time. <laughs> I broke my rib, yeah. And then that healed. And a few months later, I bruised the same rib again. And bruised bones are worse than a fractured or a broken bone in healing. Okay. So because these fighters, professional fighters, you need to know that before you do something, we know what you're going to do. We know how you, we will counter it. We know how you might counter what we counter. We know everything. Okay. And it's very the, tactical. Again. Exactly. And the difference between the amateurs and the pros is amateurs could do something for so long until they get it right. But the pros do it for so long until they can never get it wrong. That's the difference. You're, you're not gonna see a mistake with a professional fighter. Mm -hmm. So I was just thrown in there with the wolves and I had to come back leading a pack, you know, and it was traumatizing at times. And when I say traumatizing, it was actually traumatizing because Why? if I have a very bad day in training, naturally you'd want to call some family, you'd want to call your mom, but there was a time difference and there were time zones. So by the time I was done with training, my whole family's asleep and I had no one. So I had to let out those emotions by myself. So, so many training sessions ended in crying and in doubts and in fears and just questioning my journey over and over again. Sometimes I'd finish some sparring. The matches and training are called sparring. Sometimes I'd finish some sparring in the ring and go to the bathroom as if I'm washing my face, but I'm actually going in there to cry. And then I come out like nothing happened. 
and it's another day and another dollar spent, you know? So it was just a lot of traumatizing times and a lot of lonely times, but I knew that it was all going to be worth it at the end. I knew I was mm -hmm. setting that blueprint and setting motions for anyone that would come after me. And I knew that I'm inspiring so many because how could you be presented with a chance to write so much history and live the dream of so many others and say no? Yeah. And and not, you know, make use of it. Yeah, exactly. Make use of it. You know, so you're going to be told no by the universe sometimes, but you're going to have to start convincing not only people, but the universe that <laughs> you're there for a reason, because the universe will only give you as much as you're capable of. So you need to show the universe that you're capable. Yeah. You need to show the universe that you're worth what you're chasing, you know. So that's what that was the you talk a half lot of about, the journey. You talk a lot about manifesting, but before we talk around that, because I feel like you're very strong on that, it's very much inweaved in all of your answers. I want to talk to you about what you just said about crying your eyes out in the toilet. First of all, thank you for sharing that, because there are a lot of men who don't share that emotion. And I've spoken about this so many times. Some people, men or women, whoever it is, some people can, some people share their emotions, some people don't. Some people are emotional, some people are not. And we have this narrative around men being strong, especially you come from the Arab world, I'm Indian. Mm -hmm. I feel it's even more prevalent in our culture that men should hide their feelings. Did you feel that? A man that is strong or an individual that is strong is one that is strong enough to express their feelings. Mm -hmm. So for me to express these emotions or talk about these emotions of I had to sometimes cry mm -hmm. or had to sometimes deal with the loneliness or the doubts and the fears. This is me being strong talking about it. So we are told to be strong. We are told to contain our feelings. But part of containing your feelings is to let them out. So how are you supposed to contain feelings and emotions if you weren't going to let them out mm. so that's part of it to contain emotions that you go through and feelings that you go through in struggles and in difficult times you have to sometimes let them out it is okay to cry it is okay to talk it is okay to call someone and lean on them because one day someone's going to call you and lean on you and when you go through something yourself you're going to be able to help others when they go through it and being even more empathetic, right? Exactly. Being with those men in, in California in that boxing ring and and being around them so much, were you able to speak to them or express your, how you were feeling to them? Or was it that you felt uncomfortable so that's why you went into the bathroom? I just felt like they had no business in seeing what I'm about to express. Okay. That's the only issue. Because um, you're not friends with them, you weren't comfortable with exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But at the same time, I didn't have an issue sometimes of just, you know, letting it out there. Mm. Because when you're, the beautiful thing about being in a boxing gym is, or being in an environment where everyone's going through the same thing you're going through, is you're able to express some stuff that you know it's not weird, it's not yeah. a shock. So if I am angry, mad, or upset after a bad training day, this isn't anything new for any of them. So they, ex like you said, they expect it. Exactly. So that's the best thing about especially boxing for me. It doesn't matter what family you came from, how much money you came from, or where you came from. Once you step into those doors, everyone's going through the same thing together. And at the end of the day, nothing is going to help you in there when it's a fight between you and one other person than your hands mm -hmm. and your mentality and no one else is with you in there your coach is, is down in the ring you know it's only you your opponent and god so just being able to express these emotions i knew that this will make me a better fighter yeah and what's importantly said even is what is a fighter a fighter is the person he is outside of the fight so the person i am outside of the fight is going to reflect in the fight. If I'm a good person, before you expect something good to happen to you, you have to be a good person for it to happen to you. 
before you expect the best thing to happen for you, you have to be the best version of yourself before it happens to you. So I knew that I'm making myself better and better and I'm being a better person by expressing these emotions because if I contain them and hold them in, eventually they will come out. But they won't come out in the calm and composed way that you would let them out by crying yeah. or just by expressing being upset or angry. They will come out on something or someone and no one ever wants that. I'm going to leave. You just you just sit here and do the work. <laughs> I'm really irrelevant here, if I'm completely honest. You're so well-spoken and everything you're saying, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but honestly, I, I think in terms of what you're saying, it's so powerful that we should always show our emotions and we should always do what's right for us. And that's what I said at the start. Some people are emotional and some people are not. And what we shouldn't do is tell people that they can't express how they're feeling and shouldn't be themselves. Going back to that point around manifesting, because you've you've really mentioned it in all of your answers. When did you start manifesting this journey for yourself? And do you do vision boards? Tell me your manifesting techniques. So if you have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I just fought on the biggest boxing event of the decade. Mm -hmm. I fought on the undercard of Anthony Joshua and Usyk and for the World Heavyweight Championships. And I was on that undercard in Saudi Arabia in front of 40,000 people in a stadium. And it's my professional debut. It's my first ever fight. So I'm going through so many things for the first time, but in front of 40,000 people. My and in God. front of so many people that are relying on me and so many people watching on the screens that have heard so much about me. So is the hype real? Mm. Before all of that came so much manifestation and just simply faith in God and the law of attraction. The law of attraction is underestimated, you know? Tell me. Because the law of attraction is not only a thought that you think of and you're trying to attract something from the universe. Once you start thinking of something so much, you become what you think. So you start acting the way you think, acting based on your thoughts. If I want to become a professional fighter, I will sleep early. I will wake up early. I will be disciplined with my training. That is the law of attraction. You're not attracting the final result. You're attracting the small steps of the journey. That's the law of attraction. So if you're, if you're trying to attract or manifest from the universe to get a job from Netflix, for example, what you're manifesting is not the job at Netflix at, at the end. You're manifesting the capabilities and skills that are required to get a job at Netflix. So people need to understand that because when someone says, I don't believe in the law of attraction, that's because they're thinking about the final result and they don't get it. Correct. No, don't think about the final result. Think about the skills and the capabilities that are needed for that final result because you will get it at the end because you are capable. Correct. And so you're doing you, those things. Exactly. So believe that you will be there. You are now there for a reason. And once you're there, don't doubt yourself because you're there for a reason. You've made it this far for a reason. So I have a mental performance coach. Okay. And I believe that this is so important for any athlete or a therapist or a, psych or a psychiatrist or whatever it is for any individual. Mm -hmm. You need to have someone that you talk to and you express your emotions and feelings to once you need to. Okay. Because we don't learn to eat ourselves. We don't learn to drink ourselves. We don't learn to walk ourselves. We need to see someone doing it or someone needs to show us how to do it first. So these are people that are just professionals in their fields. Mm -hmm. So it's not wrong or it's not a shame to lean on them or rely on them. It's okay to talk to a mental performance coach or a sports psychologist or a therapist. This is all okay. It's part of being human. Yeah. So don't wait for something to be wrong in your life or to go through a struggle or a conflict in your life before you talk to someone like that because when you expect something and you're prepared for it it won't shock you when it comes and these people prepare you for it my mental performance coach is from egypt and so he understands the culture he understands the expectations of the arab world mm -hmm. so he's the perfect person to lean on and what we work on very, very important and very magical is visualization. Okay. Visualization 
is just the art of being there in 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 a moment mm-hmm. before you are actually there in the moment. Okay. So what people don't know is before that big fight that I had, I had three canceled fights in the US. Wow. Three canceled fights. And each fight that was canceled, I went further into fight camp than the one before. Okay. So it was like God or the universe is trying to teach me something before I actually fight. It's God is teaching me the fight game before actually having to fight. Mm-hmm. So I had three canceled fights. One was canceled in the middle of a fight camp where I knew, okay, so a fight camp is eight weeks or 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I know this. One fight was canceled fight week mm-hmm. where I knew, okay, now I've went through eight weeks of a fight camp. I've only have fight week left. And then the third one got canceled in the locker room, in my outfit. My opponent is right there. I see him. And it got canceled there when he failed his drug test for taking performance enhancers. So in that locker room, I've went through the whole camp. I went through selling 300 tickets. The whole Arab world is awake at a whole different time zone watching my fight. And he fails his drug test. Gosh. And But I went through that moment of, I went through fight week. I went through the night before the fight. I went through the day of the fight. I went through that mentality and the whole weight loss. We lose a lot of weight in the sport. I went through everything. The only thing that's left is the fight itself. (laughs) That I know how to do. Mm -hmm. The fighting I know how to do. It's all the other stuff that I didn't. So God and the universe knew that this is what I needed to actually go through before the fight. And so when I got that big fight, when I say visualization is so important, Someone asked me, when you won in front of the thousands of people in your country, did you cry? And I said, no, because I've been there in my head so many times. My mental performance coach had me turn off all the lights in my room, go on YouTube and search stadium crowds chanting, and close my eyes and listen to the chants and the crowds of them positively chanting and I just repeat the moment in my head of winning and winning again and what I'm going to do after and all that stuff. So visualization started there. We also visualize the loss. How am I going to carry myself after a loss? What am I going to say? How am I going to keep inspiring others? We also visualized me knocking down my opponent and we need to we needed to understand that if I knock down my opponent, the fight is not over because he just got up. It's not over until I knock him out or I knock him down and he doesn't get up. And that's true in boxing and in life. So we visualize that. And that's why before knocking out my opponent in that fight, I knocked him down. Wow. And when I knocked him down, nothing, even the commentators spoke about it. They were like, Zizo isn't going crazy or he isn't reckless after my opponent got up. I was there like nothing happened. Stuck to my game plan. Stuck to my punches, my tactics, because nothing happened. He got up and I've knocked out and I've knocked down this opponent in my head maybe 200 times already. So this isn't my first fight. It's my first fight for them. But in my head, I've visualized this fight so many times. This is my 300th professional fight. My 300th fight in a stadium and I've been there, I've done that, I've won, Mm -hmm. I've lost, I've been knocked down, I got up. So as soon as I get up, as long as I get up, nothing's changed. Did I lose? I didn't lose. Mm -hmm. I just lost a point. Mm -hmm. But stick to my game plan, stick to my tactics, and I will get the win. So I've been there. I've lost, I've won, I've won in stadiums, I've lost in stadiums, I've done post-match interviews, press conferences, everything. So this is... This is part of that visualization. Law of attraction, mm-hmm. manifestation, it's all very important because when you do all that stuff, you will be prepared for when that moment comes. And when you do all that stuff, the moment will come because you are prepared. I'm speechless, really. As you can <laughs> see, did you see me getting teary when you were speaking? I feel, first of all, I want his number. Send it to me yeah. right now. 
I want your coach's <laughs> number straight away. <laughs> I'm just so inspired by you. And you <laughs> remind you. me, I don't know, have, have you seen King Richard? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen The Swimmers? Yeah. Okay, those two are my favorite movies. Because Amazing movies. they are so inspiring. They just show how these girls had a dream. Mm -hmm. They didn't give up. All about law of attraction, all about manifestation, but all around aligning your goals to your actions. Exactly. And making sure you're continuously improving every single time you're doing something, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And as you were speaking, and you told me that you closed, you shut your room and you, and you turned all the lights off and you were hearing the chanting. I don't know why it made me emotional. And I think it's just because I'm so inspired by the fact that you believe in yourself so much. And I think it's so rare that people have so much faith in themselves. And when I watch these movies, I see you as one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Really, honestly, because when, when you called me and I was researching you, I was thinking, you know, one day it's going to be so great to look back yeah. on this interview because you're going to make it. That's what I and always think. I really believe that because you're so, so, so determined. And it seems like no one can touch you. And that is actually such a powerful place to be in. Because so many of us are affected by other people's opinions. So many of us exactly. are affected by other people's thoughts. But to feel so comfortable in yourself and to feel so confident and to exude that energy of no one can touch me, it's so powerful. Even if you exactly. don't believe it. Yeah. Like you said, even if you don't believe, if you in your head just say, I'm protected, no one can touch you. They will only know as much as you show them. And you will go through the stuff but you need to trust that you will go through it. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, you will go through it at the right time. Don't ever question the timing of anything you go through. Why? So because I was speaking to a friend and we were speaking of conflicts and struggles we've went through. And that person told me, I'm so happy I went through that. It's just I wish I had went through that a little earlier. I wish I went through that a little earlier in my life where I had now I, I'd have more time to have enjoyed that specific time earlier in my life, the way I'm enjoying my life now. Mm -hmm. And I told that person that when you go through something at a specific time, usually it's not just for you. You're going through it at that specific time because the people around you are ready to help you. Yes. And you yourself are now capable to go through the stuff that are required to help yourself. So if you had went through that same stage and phase earlier, maybe the people around you were too busy to help, too busy to lean on. And maybe you yourself didn't have that personality and capabilities or the isolation to go through your struggles now because with isolation, we reach elevation. And when you go through something in isolation, you have the utmost power and time to go through it and to fix. Mm -hmm. So no expectations from other people, no expectations from anything or anyone, you will go through it at the right time. Mm -hmm. Trust the time because the time is not only for you. So stop thinking it's only for you. The time is for the people and everything that's required to help you. The therapist that you are going to talk to mm -hmm. now or in a few years whenever you go through something is not maybe he's not ready for you to talk to three years ago yeah maybe your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your best friend that you are going to lean on in in a problem in a few years or now or you've leaned on them and you've went through it maybe the time that you wish that you have went through that they weren't ready for you to lean on them Mm -hmm. They weren't experienced enough for you to lean on them. So don't only trust the struggles to make you the person you are today or the person you will be in a few years. But trust most, most importantly, trust the timing of the struggles and the conflicts you will go through because they will come at the right time for you to be the right person then. You have come at the right time to be my lifetime coach for life. <laughs> you are never going to get rid of me now. I'm going to call you all the time because you are just so inspiring. Honestly, I can't believe it. And you're 22. He's 22. Absolutely mad. No, this uh, it's, Tell me I'm the plan. inspired okay. by people like you. Inspired by I've learned from the people that have come before me. Mm -hmm. And you need to have idols in life. Because once you have idols in life and once you look at the people who have come before you and learn from them, 
you start acting like them. Yeah, I You start agree. moving like them, talking like them, doing mm-hmm. everything like them, carrying yourself like them. Mm-hmm. So I've learned from the likes of you and the people who <laughs> do this stuff, breaking grounds, and that's what I want to do. Well, I'm going to be learning from you every day. You're not going to get rid of me. I'm not joking. <laughs> so tell me about the future. So you obviously fought with Anthony Joshua and Yusek. Mm-hmm. What is your next fight? So my goal right now is to represent the kingdom of Saudi Arabia in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Represent Vision 2030 mm-hmm. and just change the views that the Western world could have on the Arab world, let alone Saudi Arabia. Now they're developing very fast one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Mm -hmm. So I want to be the most successful individual athlete to come out of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But what's even most important, when you fight on an event so big like that, when you reach high levels of success early on, you need to think that the move that you are going to make next is way more important than the move you just made. And once you think that, you will be able to carry yourself in a different way. You will carry yourself in a way where now you will work harder. You will expect more of yourself. You will, you will demand more of yourself. Mm-hmm. Rather than if you think that the move you've just made now is more important than the one to come after because it will set up the one that will come after, you won't work as hard. You won't demand as much from yourself. Mm-hmm. So right now, my next move is more important than the one that's coming. And there is no point about talking my f- about my future plans or what's next, not only because I'm not at liberty to talk about them yet. Well, but I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not only because of that, but because these plans might change at any time. Of course. And I'm expecting for any of that to happen at any time. So if I say I'm going to do this and this and that, mm-hmm. then I'm not expecting any possibility and I won't be ready for any outcome. But what I know for sure is I want to be an inspiration. I want to be a leader. I want to be a superhero. And that's what I feel like right now to the millions of people in the Arab world and hopefully to the millions of people around the world one day that I want to be that person who, when people talk about, they say he had a dream, he had a goal, and he went on and achieved it, Mm -hmm. not for himself, but for everyone around them. Keep your parents happy, you will be happy. Mm-hmm. Keep your family satisfied, you will be satisfied. Inspire others, you will be inspired. So true. Give others hope, you will always have hope. Mm-hmm. So you need to be doing it for much more than yourself because the journey will require way more out of you than to just do it for yourself. So that's what I want to be. These are my future plans. You already are. And <laughs> you are to me, anyway. I'm so, so inspired by you. I just, every time I say something, I'm just like, oh, it's amazing. But honestly, really, you are, you are so talented at, at what you do. And the fact that you've come this far so young, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you. And I'm so excited to look back on this conversation one day when you are the number one. Yeah. So thank you so much thank for you. coming on. No, thank you for having me. Thank My you pleasure. for, thank you for just giving me that platform to share everything and, to talk through it all and one day we will do it again definitely but (laughs) when i've achieved more then (laughs) definitely we've already achieved so much and and again thank you so much this conversation has been so inspiring to me and i'm sure it's going to be so inspiring to everyone else at home as well thank you thank you thank you for having me hey everyone and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could please press the follow, like, and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me. 